Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Gives the boat, plows ahead, touchdown! John Moten, there's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder catch, touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy, breaks out of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win! The Wildcats win! Unbelievable! It's Collegiately Speaking. Join David and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over. The Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. Dave Edit, joined by former Northwestern Wildcat quarterback Dan Persa, Wildcats coming off their second win of the year, thankfully ending a seven-game losing streak with a 45-6 thrashing of the Minutemen from UMass. And this week, they will take on the Golden Gophers from Minnesota, a team that saw their hopes for a perfect season dashed this last weekend at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. Let's talk about... uh, UMass just being able to taste a win because it had been September 14th, last time the Wildcats had won a game. And and honestly, Dan, Ted Albrecht and I are in the booth and Adam Hogue's down on the sidelines. We're watching the first quarter of this game. And I, I, I know you heard all the games, but I don't know if you were there on Saturday, but, but watching the first quarter and thinking, Uh-oh. man, this is not what you Uh-oh. expected. <laughs> right. I mean, there were... What, 39, 40 point favorites going into this right. game? And all of a sudden, there's UMass driving down, kicking a field goal, and uh, in position actually to go up 6 nothing, and things changed dramatically there, but really kind of a ragged start. And you're thinking, okay, this is not the way this was supposed to go. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough one, right? Because UMass is, is, like Northwestern at this point, one of the worst teams in, in the country. And um, there's, there's, 15 people in the stand maybe you know there wasn't a well, there were more than that <laughs> right. obviously an exaggeration but there yeah. wasn't a a great atmosphere and i think you can feel that right mm-hmm. when there's an expectation of all right we're 40 point favorites we haven't had a great season it's all already been a letdown how do we get up for this game and i think there was a little bit of that early on um and and umass to their credit kind of marched up and down in the field uh on northwestern's defense for for a quarter and and the offense struggled mightily and you you looked around and you're like is this is this really going to happen um, with with two interceptions early from from Aiden and uh, but luckily they they got the running game going and they kind of uh, asserted their will with on the running game and, and it turned out to be a blowout but you know not not the the most impressive win and and certainly not really a confidence builder for the quarterbacks who who struggled again. Well, let's um, talk about Evan Hall. I mean, granted it was against a, a porous defense that was giving up. 53 yards, uh, 53 points a game, had given up over 500 yards rushing the week before. But but I think you can see certain things that that would stand up against any defense, right? And I, I saw that from him. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a he's a big physical guy. He, he runs hard. He's he's really young. Um, he's he's. It just proves how much depth they really had at the beginning of the season in that in that running back room right they're mm-hmm. legit four or five guys deep um which is great but none of them can play quarterback <laughs> so well, okay so let's talk about the quarterback so on monday at his news conference uh, pat fitzgerald who usually is yeah he's a pretty positive guy and i think this season has tested that oh, yeah. sense of positivity but he's 
he's been pretty upfront about the turnovers, what, 23 turnovers now by this team, something like that. They're minus 12, I think, in turnover margin, somewhere around there. Uh, it's it's totally out of character for what this team has done over the years. And uh, so he talked about his quarterback play, and, and clearly, as they look towards 2020, he knows there's a problem there. As I talk about we will get things fixed, that is the number one room that I will get fixed, period. End of discussion. Not hard, not complicated. It's painfully obvious. But, and, but those guys are all great kids. They're just not, they're not prepared. They weren't prepared for what it takes to be the starting quarterback. And it shows. All right, so you were in that quarterback room many years ago. You know the work that goes into it. What is it that these guys didn't get that you have to do to, to be a successful quarterback in the Big Ten? Yeah, it's it's kind of perplexing because you know they were around a guy who I know prepared really really hard for for four straight years, and um, you know at the end of the day. I went through this too as a, as a quarterback, right? You come in as a, as a freshman thinking you can beat anybody out in the world and you get there and you're like, wow, this, this actually takes a lot of work and a lot of skill and a lot of precision. And more than the physical aspect, it's, it's the mental aspect that you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose your first year. When that's, that was the first year. And, you know, you get, you get years of, of studying and practice. But when you're the, when you're the guy, um, or close to being the guy, you have to prepare very, very well. And that, that goes in the offseason, putting in, you know, a ton of time in, in film study, um, a ton of time in, in fundamentals, a ton of time learning, learning the offense. And that's just not showing up at practice, right? You know, the NCA has certain guidelines. I forget. It's like 20 hours or 40 hours, whatever Less it is. That. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be good, uh, maybe unless you're Michael Vick or, or somebody who's who's has unbelievable talents, you can't just show up for those that amount of time and and expect to do well on on Saturdays, especially if you're not if you're a younger guy who hasn't started before with not a ton of experience. So I think he talked about it. He, he thought TJ was there um, he, from a, from a mental aspect for sure. But the other guys, um, I, I don't really know what happened. You know, it, it, they were didn't do what they were supposed to in the off season. Definitely didn't do what they were supposed to during the season, and it's it's demanding, right? You have a full schedule of of at one of the best universities in the, in in the world, but you know, you take you t- you look at the time investment from you know, call it Sunday to set to get to Saturday. So Sunday after the game, you're probably you're getting injury check. You're probably what you're rewatching the game that just happened for two hours. Monday, um, you're there, you, you do a light lift in practice, but then you in basically get the install for the game plan for that week that you need to study legit for three or four hours. And then each night going into, um, going into the next practice, you need to review the film of the practice. You need to pick up, you know, the situational stuff that they're gonna, they're gonna throw at you the next day in practice. And that's easily another two, three, four hours. So you're looking at, you're, you're, by the time you're, you're done with things outside of what you're expected to do from, from the standpoint of, um, you know, what the NCAA allows in practice and whatnot. You're, what is that? Three, six, nine, twelve. You're you're close to doubling that. And if you're not doing that, especially when you're not, you know, an experienced guy or extremely talented, um, which you know some can argue, you know, neither they didn't check in any of those boxes. You know, it shows. And playing the Big Ten and playing quarterback in the Big Ten is a really, really hard thing to do. And I don't think these guys really understood that. And now they've been baptized by fire baptized by fire and hopefully they they turn around but it's it's been pretty clear and and for the first time coach Fitz has really singled them out to the media saying these guys flat out weren't prepared 
So we saw three quarterbacks play on, well, actually, technically, we saw, I think, four quarterbacks right. play on Saturday because uh, freshmen got in at the end. But uh, we saw Andrew Marty play after Aiden Smith. We also saw Jason Whitaker come in in a couple of situations, including one down on the goal line, a physical guy who can run the football. Is he look towards next year? Maybe we don't know right now who the quarterback There might be someone else that we're not even talking about right now. Yeah, I think it's a wide open field. No one has really done anything to solidify themselves. Um, You know, they someone could come off the street and maybe play better than some of these guys have. So it's it's a wide open field, and and hopefully it's a reality check for these guys to say, look, if if you want to compete at the level um, that that the the previous team did and and win the Big Ten West and head to Indianapolis and be even close to an All Big Ten quarterback, um, you guys got to pick it up big time and. And I'm sure Fitz will have that conversation with both the, the offensive staff and the guys, just put kind of putting them on notice. Say, I don't know what you thought you were given or, or thought you earned, but it wasn't enough. So it'll be it'll be some really hard conversations, and and but those guys will be stronger because of it. Well, the Wildcats were down three nothing to UMass on Saturday, and the Minutemen were about to go up. It appeared six nothing, and here's when the game got turned around. Thirty yard try. For Garcia, who is 5 of 6 on the year. There's the snap, the placement, kick is blocked, kick is blocked, and Chris Bergen tracking it down on the far side, down the far side to midfield. And still on his feet, and he's going to take it all the way. Joe Gaziano blocked it. Chris Bergen returns the blocked field goal for a touchdown. And just like that, the Wildcats are in front. And the man who made that play Saturday joins us now on Collegiately Speaking, number 28 for the Wildcats, Chris Bergen, the Big Ten Co. Special Teams Player of the Week. And uh, Chris, first of all, congratulations on that honor. And we just heard your block field goal return, 85 yards, kind of take us through the play. And uh, you saw that ball sitting there on the turf. I'm sure your eyes got wide, right? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. And, uh, yeah, it was a right place, right time kind of play. And uh, I just saw when I, I'm a contained player uh, in the field goal block that we were in, and I saw Joe Goss and Alex Miller specifically, our D-line as a whole, get a great push off the line and just kind of watch the ball. Goss got so high, I hit him in the armpit, and it bounced and I turned around and bounced perfectly into my hands. And I didn't know if it was pass line of scrimmage or not, and that kind of affects whether or not I should pick it up. But I had it in my hands, and I'm just thinking, like, turn the corner and go. And shout-out to J.R. Pace and Cam Ruiz, who got out in front of me and led me unscathed 85 yards. So I really didn't do much except be in the right place and run straight. So thank you to the D-line, and thanks to Cam and J.R. When's the last time you ran 85 yards on a football field? been a while i can honestly i can't remember the last time i've been there for i've had a few plays in my career chasing another guy down mm-hmm. whether it be on kickoff or on defense but with the ball in my hands i i couldn't even begin to remember the last time you know it's funny i was talking to uh, patty fisher this week and i said how'd you like seeing your counterparts linebacker both getting a chance to carry the ball on saturday and they both look pretty good what do you say he said, yeah, he was sort of admiring the way you guys ran the football. Did, did you play offense at all in high school? Yeah, I was a, 
I played a lot of offense in high school. I started a running back since my sophomore year. There three years. I played both ways. And I was our state leading punt returner and kick returner in Michigan. So I've always liked having the ball in my hands. Obviously, like I always say, it's better to be the hunter than the hunted. That's why I love defense so much. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I used to carry the carry the rock a little bit. Hey, Chris, Dan Persa here. Thanks again for uh, for joining us. Uh, maybe step back and talk a little bit about your process getting to Northwestern. Obviously, um, came in as a walk-on, correct, and then you know, worked your way into a, a staple on this defense. Maybe talk about your mindset as a younger player and, and how it's changed or how it's kind of stays, stayed the same with a chip on your shoulder now that you've, you've been a perennial starter for the team. Absolutely. So uh, in high school, I was being recruited by you know the Ivy, the MAC a little bit, and then the academies. And since I was a kid, it had always been my dream to play the highest level of college football, which was the Big Ten and the best conference in football. And my dad played football for Michigan State, so I knew that was always my dream to play at the highest level and at the best academic school possible. And I really didn't consider myself ever walking on until about the weekend before signing day. My older brother, Joe, convinced me just for the heck of it to come visit not already taking officials to Harvard, Princeton, uh, Air Force, Navy, and I was like, I'll just give it a shot. And it was love at first sight. He took me to the 545 workout, 545 a.m. workout on Friday, and it just felt like an extended family. It felt like a bunch of older brothers, just like Joe, and I knew it was the place I wanted to be and the place I wanted to play football. And so I decided to walk on, and uh, the coach said, just work hard keep your head low and good things will happen and that was kind of my mindset coming in just work hard keep your mouth shut and good things will happen same thing my dad's been telling me since I was a kid and my older brother paved one heck of a a path for me and guided me really well and I got the opportunity as a freshman to play in a lot of games I think it was 12 out of 13 on special teams primarily and that kind of set me up going into my sophomore year and then when Nate Hall went down with injury I was the next man up at Sam Backer and that gave me some great experience and then progressed to where we are now. But in terms of mindset, I would say it's been the exact same from day one and that chip on the shoulder will never go away. I always consider myself like a smaller guy because I am, but like an undersized guy and remember where you came from. And I don't think that'll ever change. I think it's been extremely beneficial. Yeah, it's a great story, and and for for kids out there everywhere, it's just you know you, you kind of laid it out. Just work hard, and, and good things will happen. It's typically the harder the work, the luckier you get, right? Um, Absolutely. Maybe talk a little bit. Obviously, it's it's been you know a, a frustrating season for for a lot of a lot of you guys, um, especially on defense because you've been playing so well, uh, a little inconsistent, but but playing really well nonetheless. What what's your kind of mindset going into to Minnesota? Um, obviously, you're not looking looking past this game with you know a, a bowl game pretty much shut out. What are your main goals for the game and and what you guys are trying to accomplish? Well, I think as you know, playing your only goal is to go one and zero. And that's our mindset going into this week, regardless of our record, regardless of any postseason opportunities. All we are thinking about is that we have a chance to play one of the best teams in the country this Saturday. A great program, a great offense. And we're thrilled for the opportunity to go see how good our defense really is against a team like this. So we're taking them, we're treating this as if this was to go to the Big Ten Championship, even though it's not. That's kind of our mindset. And we're not letting down and we're not changing our preparation in any way. And I think that's kind of the mindset going in, just go 1-0 and 
and we're, we couldn't be more thrilled for the opportunity. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Kind of diving into to Minnesota's offense, it's obviously been been very efficient this year, led by led by Tanner Morgan, and, and he's a guy that you guys faced uh, last year. And and there's the staple of their offense, and what everything's built around is that RPO. You know what are what are some things you guys can do specifically at the linebacker position to disrupt Tanner and you know mess with his reads a little bit on the RPOs? Uh, I think it starts up front. We just got to stop the run and play off of that. This team is a downhill kind of punch in the face punch in the mouth offense and they'll, they'll try to run it and then do some x bang and stuff off that with the rpo which is difficult to cover and i think that's why it was obviously invented but i think if we stop the run that'll be a great first step towards disrupting the rpo what why have you guys done so well against teams that have really run the ball well i mean not just this year i mean you go back and I don't know how much you played in the game against uh, Penn State when Saquon Barkley came in a couple of years ago, kind of shut him down. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has struggled more against uh, Northwestern than he has against any other team throughout his career. Is there something extra in those matchups that sort of ignites you guys on defense? I think it's it's a point of pride and it's a mindset that we own the line of scrimmage and we're going to make you throw the ball. That's what we want. We're going to make you throw the ball over our heads because we're going to stop the run. And it's it's honestly all just a mindset. And we have this mindset that you're not going to run the ball in our defense. And that point of pride, that emphasis, that passion to want to stop the run, that's what kind of drives us. It's not necessarily we have better guys, bigger guys. We just play harder, play more physical. Well, your brother had the distinction of wearing jersey number one this year, and I know it's senior day for him on Saturday. Since you've been a starter now basically for a couple of years, I I don't know if you qualify for number one next year, but try to keep it in the family. But what has that meant to him, and what's that meant to to you to see your brother uh, getting that honor? Oh, my God, it's been amazing. And obviously it's his biggest fan. It was just probably the most happy I've ever been while I've been here to see him get number one happier for him than I've been for any of my own successes and I just know how hard he's worked and how far he's come to get to where he is right now seeing his journey as a little as just like a walk-on from day one who didn't have an older brother who kind of put his name in the door for you who kind of put his foot in the door and gave you a better chance and he started from zero and and here he is now at number one and i I think it's a little more special for me to see him wear it just because I know growing up with him how hard he's worked and what he's done to earn it. It's it's unbelievable. I know the senior day ceremony, usually the players are back in the locker room and the 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 players the seniors come out and their families are there and they take some pictures with Coach Fitz. Are you going to come out for senior day for your brother? Um, We haven't talked about that, but I would love to be out there because Hopefully I won't tear up or anything, but seeing my brother take Ryan Field for the last time is going to be really special. I, I want to be out there for that. But I actually, we've not, we've not talked about that yet, but I, I, I really do want to be out there. That, that's really I would think so, yeah. That's a big yeah. deal. i got to ask you about one other play on Saturday. That was the kickoff. 
uh, and the game had been decided. And I, I know that Coach Fitz was somewhat apologetic about it afterwards because it wasn't intended as an onside kick, though it sort of worked out that way. Were you a little bit surprised when uh, you saw the Drews kickoff just sort of hitting that second level there and all of a sudden you're on the ball? Completely unintentional, yeah. And we, we had not planned that at all. And we kicked it off, and I'm just running down as hard as I can. They kind of, let's go cover, let's go cover. I can't really see the ball, and then I just see it drop out of the air. Perfect backspin. One of the, if It is the best kick I've ever seen in a live college football game. Hits the ground, the little Ryan Field special bounce, bounces back and hits me in the hands again like the other field goal block, and I was like, well, it's just my lucky day, I guess. <laughs> well, what I, there's not just luck involved there, Chris, when you have plays <laughs> like that. Uh, finally, you've been nominated for the Burlesworth Trophy. I don't know if uh, everybody knows about this, but it goes to the outstanding walk-on in college football. And that's a pretty big honor. I, what did that mean to you? Oh, I was pretty excited about that. That means so much to me. I know uh, Austin Carr a few years back was a finalist for it against uh, Baker Mayfield and the quarterback for Washington State. That was actually the year I think Baker won the Heisman. But I've honestly, since I got to college, once I kind of learned about the award, it has been my goal to win it since then. It's one of the most prestigious honors in college football, regardless of I know the other huge awards, you know, the ones that get a lot more publicity. But from the – place i started as a walk-on that that award means more to me than anything and it's it's an extreme honor to even be nominated because i know how great there are how great a walk-ons there are around the country and i know how great the other walk-ons on this team are i just have had a great opportunity to play and i represent them and this team and it means more to me than anything well congratulations on that and on the big 10 honors this week and uh Hey, good. we're going to watch you during Senior Day if you get out there on the field Saturday and, and see if you're tearing up. But I don't think anybody would be surprised if you were. But uh, thanks I'm for miss him. Thanks, <laughs> I'm sure. Thanks for your time. Good luck on Saturday. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. I had a great time. Thanks for your guys' time as well. Okay, Chris Bergen, Wildcat linebacker. Great to catch up with him, an engaging guy, and a great yeah. great story. And you look at this linebacking core, Patty Fisher. Now, he may have a decision to make, Dan, because uh, it's possible that he will maybe go out after this year and try to go on to the NFL. Possibly he'll come back next year. Uh, you look at uh, the Will linebacker spot where Blake Gallagher led the Big Ten in tackles last year. He's right up there again. This year, as far as this team goes, had a big interception on Saturday. Um, you know, and the guys behind them, I think, are pretty good. I think this linebacking core is pretty solid. So I think um, regardless of how they, they shape up next year, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. It's And, Chris, it's hard not to root for a guy when you, when you hear him talk oh, yeah. like that and how hard he's worked. Um, so congrats to him and all his successes. Uh, but I think, you know, kind of across the board, Coach Fitz and Coach Hank and, and all the defensive coaches have done a really good job recruiting and developing talent, and it showed because of the the you know statistical ranks in the defense the past five years. And look, you you look at the guys they've lost on defense over the course of the season. Uh, they've they've suffered. Uh, Sabduke Miller that was a significant loss for them on the defensive line. Greg Newsom the second starting corner he went out. 
late in the season for the remainder of the year. Uh, Iku Leota didn't play this week. Uh, you've had different guys, uh, Trevor Kent, different guys who've who've suffered injuries. Uh, Ernest Brown, that that one also yeah. that that really hurt. But they've had enough depth to withstand that as far as their defense goes. Let's talk about this week. Minnesota and, and Chris alluded to it, and, and you asked him about the RPOs. I mean, it's a it's a it's a challenge. And they run it very well. What's going to be the key to kind of slowing them down? Yeah, I think you, you kind of hit on it, right? You, you hear PJ Flack or, or Tanner Morgan talk about their offense. It's based on that RPO because it's it's you know they want to run the ball, they want to be physical, um, but at the same time they have legit you know probably three number one um, receivers that are probably all playing the NFL. They're they're really talented guys, and and Tanner Morgan has been playing as efficient as any quarterback in the country right now. So with with that scheme, with the RPO scheme, which you know Fitz will tell you is communi- communism, um, it's one really hard to defend when you. By the way, I haven't heard him say that this right, year. Right, right. I can't remember if he said it after that game last year. But, um, you know, when you have average players running that scheme, it's really hard to defend. And yeah. then you add Tanner Morgan, who's now run it for two straight years and is playing very efficiently with, you know, three big play wide receivers that, that make contested catches, you know, time in and time out, save a couple drops versus Iowa. You know, it's it's a real threat. So I think Northwestern has to, to obviously stop the run. Chris talked about it, um, but then just be be decisive and and kind of make make big pass breakups when those those contested catches are, are presented to them. Well, you know, one thing there are going to be a lot of Big Ten fans rooting for the Wildcats on Saturday oh, yeah. <laughs> against the Gophers, especially fans from Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, there's no question. We know where their loyalty is going to be this week. Yeah, and I think um, Coach Fitz is is really looking for for that kind of premier performance from this team that he hasn't really had this right. year. Right? They they need something to hang their hat on, and and if you're going to do it, it's it's probably going to be against this team. Obviously, Illinois uh, will be a big game next week, but you know, last ranked opponent, um, you know, some, some a Big Ten West rival that they need to secure um, who, who they've had a lot of success with over the last couple of years it's it's a huge game for these guys make no mistake about it and then after that the battle for the hat but that's for another day uh, that's going to do it for this edition of collegiately speaking many thanks to our producer curtis coke and uh, again we'll have the game for you on saturday on wgn radio beginning at ten thirty. for dan purse i'm dave Ennett. thanks for being with us you've been listening to collegiately speaking from wgnradio.com